Good morning, Boston. Good afternoon, Cairo. And good evening, Kuala Lumpur from Washington, D.C. I'm Ethan Plotkin, and this is Intrigue Out Loud, your go-to audio guide to the globe. On today's show, I'm joined by Intrigue co-founder John Fowler to discuss a BRICS conference in Cape Town and a security summit in Singapore. It's all coming up. Morning, John. How are you? Very well, Ethan. And how are you, given that you chastised me last time for not inquiring? <laughs> Thank you very much for asking. I won't even I won't even tell you how I am, but it's really just the fact that you asked that I appreciate. That's so, all that matters. Uh, <laughs> so first up, John, we are once again discussing one of our all-time favorite geopolitical acronyms. We are. The BRICS, the B-R-I-C-S, one of the few acronyms that is actually a good one in the world of geopolitics. <laughs> uh, quite, quite a good name for a punk rock band too yeah i mean well i think the members might uh sort of think of themselves that way yeah they they probably do given given the characters involved um they are kind of positioning themselves as the the bad boys of of international politics at the moment fighting the system (laughs) fighting the system yeah exactly um so to to be serious for a second ethan um the BRICS, and to remind folks that the BRICS is a, a sort of a diplomatic club consisting of brazil Russia, India, China, and uh, South Africa, five major emerging economies. Pretty interesting history behind them. The grouping was actually cooked up by a Goldman Sachs economist back in 2001. Uh, He wanted to figure out which countries would dominate the global economy by the year 2050. Uh, The countries he listed, which, mind you, now make up about 40% of the global population, um, they liked the idea so much of being called BRICS that they turned themselves into a kind of an inf- an, a formal block of countries, if you will. These days, the BRICS operates uh, a development bank, the, the massive headquarters in, in Shanghai, where I was posted and went to a few times. Um, and, they, and they got together every year for summits. And in preparation for their next summit in South Africa with this year, all their foreign ministers met in Cape Town late last week. And, and what was on the agenda of that meeting? Well, you only need to look at the acronym in question, Ethan, to get a, a pretty good hint of what was on the agenda. Brazil nuts. <laughs> no, try again. <laughs> uh, the Great Wall of um, China. No, you're wrong again. <laughs> the Indian Ocean. No, no, no. Come you on. know what was on there. <laughs> Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Exactly. You nailed it. When, <laughs> when we're talking about any global summit in 2023, you can almost certainly expect that the Russian invasion of Ukraine is going to top the agenda, and rightly so. Um, but it's especially true when Russia's foreign minister is on the guest list. Um, and in BRICS, again, the R stands for Russia. Russia has found a group of countries that, you know, I think for a lot of reasons have decided not to join the Western coalition supporting Ukraine. We've talked plenty about China and South Africa on this show before and about why they might have abstained from from backing Ukraine. Uh, But as for Brazil and India, I think they're both primarily concerned with limiting the economic disruptions of the war and ending it as quickly as possible. And to end it, they think that the best approach is probably to remain as neutral as possible. I don't think the four countries have decided to stay neutral because of their membership in the BRICS per se, but it does certainly track with the spirit of the group that we mentioned earlier, you know, aggregating their geopolitical heft to kind of push back as a united front against Western pressure. So is this the kind of thing we've been talking about when we say we're moving into a more multipolar world? Yeah, I think it's at least one part of it. I mean, it's certainly true that the BRICS countries, again, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, these are the these are the countries that are going to be the new poles of power in the future. 
Um, in fact, India's foreign minister said said as much. He said that the goal of the summit was to send out a strong message that the world is multipolar, that it's rebalancing, and that the old ways cannot address new situations. Um, they even discussed a new common currency that could undermine the power of the US dollar, although I am uh, fairly skeptical of that one. <laughs> Likewise. Well, are there other countries that want to join this uh, this punk rock band? <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, there's quite a few, and many of them were on hand at the summit last week. Uh, to audition, to, to take you take your metaphor too far. But um, for the most part, it was the usual suspects, right? It was Saudi Arabia, it was the UAE, Iran, um, and there are others that are trying to make their way in as well. Kazakhstan was in attendance, Argentina, um, and even Venezuela has expressed an interest in joining in the past. Um, for the time being, I think those countries remain on the outside of the BRICS grouping, um, but the BRICS grouping in general is certainly picking up steam as, you know, kind of an alternative venue for countries that aren't in the G7. But John, this was just a gathering of foreign ministers. I mean, when are the heads of state getting together? Yeah, great question. Foreign ministers normally meet to kind of prepare the way for the leaders meeting, right? And and this is actually the source of quite a bit of controversy. And I, I guess you can imagine why, because the meeting of the heads of state is scheduled to take place in August. It's a long way out, but we're paying close attention to it because one of the attendees has a warrant out for his arrest from the International Criminal Court. Uh, and I'm sure you can guess who. Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi has a warrant out for his arrest? I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop these guessing games because uh, <laughs> we, we're, we're likely to offend a billion people in one fell swoop here. That's true. Um, I, yeah. I, I think we know that the, the warrant is out for Vladimir Putin. But the big question I think on everyone's mind has been whether South Africa, South Africa is a signatory to the International Criminal Court, it bears mentioning. Um, but whether South Africa will decide to arrest him if he shows up at the summit. You know, I think it's pretty unlikely. Um, and just last week, actually, without naming Putin specifically, South Africa's foreign minister announced an order that grants diplomatic immunity to, uh, immunity to all foreign dignitaries who will attend the summit. Um, they even floated sort of, you know, half seriously the idea of moving the summit to Mozambique or China because both of those countries aren't signatories uh, to the International Criminal Court. If South Africa does end up hosting Putin, which I think is probably the most likely outcome, and the other attendees feel happy to interact with him and they don't put up too much of a fuss, I think it's a pretty big win for Russia. Um, and it paints a fairly striking picture of, of just how much geopolitical gravitas, I guess is the right word, um, just how much geopolitical gravitas the international rule of law has lost in, in recent years, which is, of course, one of the key characteristics of this new multipolar world, to take it back to your first question. Uh, either way, I think the summit's going to be really worth watching later in the summer. Today's show is sponsored by Holy. With Holy, you can earn cash back, rewards, and discounts on everything from mental health and fitness to personal care and productivity. Here's how it works. You get cash back, savings, and points for various health and wellness services. Then you can redeem your points for cash back or use them for premium products and services in Holy's wellness marketplace. Check out the show notes to learn more. Holy is the credit card to make health and wellness more affordable. All right. Welcome back. Like you said at the end there, John, it's summertime, which for some of us means jean shorts, aloe vera, ice cold lemonade. But for the diplomatic types among us, that means a lot of summits. It does. It's summit season, not summer season uh, or both. <laughs> but uh, I would I would caution you just to be careful what you wish for there, Ethan. Diplomats have a long history of wince-inducing 
fashion choices. The so-called silly shirts that leaders wear at the Apex Summit oh, yeah. spring to my mind. Um, so let's just say I don't think anyone wants diplomats thinking that wearing jean shorts is a good idea. Uh, but anyway, we've already mentioned two summits thus far in this episode, so why not make it a third. I say, why not? <laughs> Take it away. Well, okay. So this past weekend was the Shangri-La Dialogue, uh, which is a security conference that maybe folks haven't heard of, but it's held every year at the you know Shangri-La Hotel in Singapore. No, no prizes for guessing how it gets its name. Um, but unlike the other two conferences or summits that we mentioned earlier, this one is hosted by a think tank rather than a government. Don't let that fool you to thinking it's irrelevant to real decision-making, though. Um, all the big names tend to come out for the Shangri-La um, Dialogue. In fact, if I were a world leader, Ethan, the Himalayan hot salt massage listed on the Shangri-La's website would be compelling enough to get me there every year anyway. <laughs> but whatever. John, the... can I just can I just interrupt you there for a second? Please. Gross. <laughs> Fair enough. The less said, the better. Well, for whatever the reason, <laughs> the heavy hitters were there. Uh, U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, China's Defense Secretary uh, Li Shangfu. Uh, plenty, of other, plenty of other generals and defence ministers from around Asia. Um, and Australian Prime Minister Anthony Albanese was actually asked to deliver the keynote address uh, last Friday night. Mm. And what was on the agenda here? You will not be surprised to hear me say the war in Ukraine. But skipping over that, the other thing that you probably won't be surprised either to hear um, is uh, tensions between China and the US, and especially concerns about China's intentions with Taiwan. They dominated the agenda. As I mentioned, the big keynote address was delivered by Anthony Albanese, my home country's prime minister, of course. And he really hammered home this point that managing conflict between the US and China, or, or just even managing the tensions, that should be a top priority for the region. Um, his big argument was that the best way to achieve that goal is by encouraging as much possible dialogue between the two parties. And host country Singapore is actually taking a fairly similar similar approach last Thursday, their defense ministry uh, actually set up a hotline with the Chinese defense ministry to you know, make sure that lines of communication stay open. I think if you think of the, the purpose of the red telephone during the Cold War, you might get the idea, although I'm sure these days there's not actually a red telephone. Right. Well, I mean, John, that sounds great, but we know how these games of telephone often work out. I mean, are the two great powers in question communicating between each other at the moment? Unfortunately not. Um, like I said, America's defense secretary and Chinese, China's defense minister were both in Singapore this weekend, but they never met. Um, apparently, Li Shangfu declined Lloyd Austin's offer in pretty blunt terms, according to the Pentagon. Perhaps that's not surprising. Chinese defense minister Li Shangfu, has, he's been under US sanctions for several years. Um, and of course, the big issue dividing the two countries is Taiwan at the moment. Um, and during Lee's meeting on Thursday with his Singaporean counterpart to set up that hotline I, I just mentioned, he said that China would absolutely not renounce the use of force on Taiwan. So there are just miles between them then. I mean, I think war in Taiwan is just about the last thing that anyone in the region wants to see. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, and, and I think that's why we're seeing these other countries try to serve as interlocutors or go-betweens between the US and China. As you said, though, uh, the game of telephone can leave a lot lost in translation. I think what worries me the most is is how kind of dug in each side seems to be at the moment. You know, the US seems to have made several efforts to refresh dialogue after the balloon incident in February. And we'll all remember that, that ridiculous escapade. But um, unfortunately, they've been rebu rebuffed at every turn by the Chinese. Um, you know, and according to a report published just on Friday by uh, the think tank that actually hosts the Shangri-La Dialogue, the International Institute for Security Studies, 
Um, that report says that China is totally laser-focused on Taiwan and hasn't been at all dissuaded by Russia's failure in Ukraine. So, you know, that's not great news. And I think, um, I think we're all hoping that Australia and Singapore can, can help bring the US and China back to the table. My view is that talking is always better, even if it seems that both sides uh, think that there's not much to talk about. Dialogue, John, the word of the day. And in the spirit of dialogue, I will answer your question. I am doing well. Thanks for asking. Thrilled to hear it, Ethan. Here are a couple of the stories we're tracking today. At least nine people in Senegal have been killed after police clashed with supporters of opposition leader Usman Sanko, who was sentenced to two years in prison for, quote, corrupting youth. Senegalese authorities issued a blanket ban of social media across the country in response. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken announced plans on Thursday to open the first U.S. diplomatic mission north of the Arctic Circle, the northernmost diplomatic mission for the U.S. in the world. NATO will also conduct Arctic military exercises in nearby Finland this week. And that's going to do it for me. By the way, I'm sure most listeners in the UK will be familiar with the Cooper's Hill cheese race. But for those that aren't familiar, it is quite literally the craziest sporting event on Earth. I don't know if you can even call it a sporting event, but check out the International Intrigue newsletter to decide for yourself. In the meantime, I'm Ethan Plotkin. See you on Wednesday. <laughs>